now listening to the Unshakable Health Podcast with Dr. Thomas Hemingway. All right. Aloha. It's, uh, oh my gosh, we are two weeks into spring. It is April. Oh my goodness. And uh, where I am in the world currently, it does not look a thing like spring. In fact, uh, we had to dig out our second story windows where we are staying up in the mountains of Utah, where we have had almost 900 inches of snow this year. The canyon where we are staying has been closed much of the last couple of weeks, which I don't recall ever in history it being closed this kind of regularity. And I've never seen this much snow any place, let alone in these mountains of Utah, where they typically average around four to 500 inches. 600 is an amazing year. And we are coming up on 900. So as I look outside right now, big surprise, it is snowing still. Maybe we'll hit 900 tonight. I don't know. It is nutty weather. I hope you're enjoying some springtime wherever you are in the world. A little bit of sun, my favorite vitamin, which of course is vitamin D to go along with the M and N as well as the C and the G because C for connection and G for gratitude along with the M for movement and N for nature are currently and have been and will continue to be my favorite vitamins. So I hope you're enjoying those vitamins. I hope you're enjoying family and loved ones during the springtime, getting some sunshine. And I just want you to know that I am grateful for you. I am grateful for you taking the time to listen to the show. And this is why I do this. This is why I love to get one out to you guys just about every week on a Thursday. And it is just amazing to have you here. So thank you for being here. If you haven't already dropped a review, please do so because you just may get a free copy of my upcoming book, Preventable, Five Powerful Practices to Avoid Disease and Build Unshakable Health, which is coming out soon. In fact, I already ordered my proof, the actual paper copy. I should be getting that any day now. I'm super stoked, super pumped, excited to actually to hold that, to open it, to thumb through it. I just love the, the real paper, you know, actual books. I, I love to just page through them and read them. And I'm reading a couple of books right now myself. And I am so excited to get my own in my hands this coming week. So you guys will be getting yours in a couple of weeks. Um, like I said, it is on pre-order currently. You can jump on over to my website, thomashemingway.com. Click on the link to order, or you can go to thepreventablebook.com. Click on the link to pre-order my book now. And if you do that, you will get free the companion course that goes along with the book that talks about the five powerful practices that you can start today to not only avoid disease, but build unshakable health. And they are powerful. They are simple. They're readily doable. And you can start now. So jump on over there, pre-order my book, and you will get my course that goes along with it uh, real, real soon which is already available. We just have to take the time to get uh, it out to you with your email and so on. So pre-order the book and you will not regret it. Please feel free to share this show with anyone that you may find that it could benefit because these, oh my gosh, shows and information are powerful and they are research-based and they can move the needle in your life. And, and I just want to thank you again for those that have reviewed the show. I'm going to read you a review that just came over on Apple, five-star review entitled, quote, love this show with like four or five exclamation points by 
JLGW Cure says, I'm so happy to have found Dr. Hemingway through another podcast. He is so uplifting and positive. I love that I can understand everything he explains and how much knowledge he gives out. Wow, 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 wow. JLGW Cure, thank you so much. You'll be entered to win potentially your own free copy of my book. And anybody else who drops a review will be entered into a contest to win a free copy of my book. So drop a review. I love that you do that. I'm so grateful for you. Share this out with anyone who may benefit from these powerful practices to improve your life and just up-level your health and your life. And today, will be no exception. It's going to be another amazing show. I have a guest here that I think you will love so much. She is awesome. She is world-renowned for her skills in endocrinology and women's health. She is best-selling author of the book Beyond the Pill and has an upcoming book this week called Is This Normal? Judgment-free, straight talk about your body, sex, hormones, periods, everything else you've ever wanted to know. Dr. Jolene Brighton is on the show with us today. And this is for men and women both because you will both find so much benefit from this conversation where we get into a lot of cool, cool, cool topics that can affect each and every one of our lives, especially the women out there and all the men that love women and have a women uh, person in their life. So it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great chat. Dr. Jolene Brighton is so skilled, so knowledgeable, best-selling author. She's been featured in so many amazing works all throughout uh, the globe, really. She's international. In fact, she's living internationally present time, which was really fun to chat about offline because she's living in one of my favorite places that resembles Hawaii Nei with the beautiful weather, the beaches, just uh, really a sense of aloha, although there it's it's not called aloha, but it is uh, a place of islands where they do have aloha. And so I, I'm just so pumped for this conversation. Um, let's jump into it now with Dr. Jolene Brighton. Here we go. All right. Super pumped today. We have an amazing guest that is literally world expert in this area. She is Dr. Jolene Brighton. Most of you know her with respect to her really popular initial book that uh, that I think all of us have heard of Beyond the Pill. And then now she's got an upcoming book, which I think is even more amazing because it's such a broad focus on all the things that make women, women, and what we should all know about women. Women should know about themselves. Men should know about women. I mean, all the good stuff called Is This Normal? That's coming out soon. And I'm just so pumped to have Dr. Jolene Brighton here with me today. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I love what you say about like, you know, Beyond the Pill is great, but Is This Normal is like even more exciting because when I I was about to publish Beyond the Pill, my good friend, Dr. Isabella Wentz, who's also authored several books, she I, I had to text her and I was like, I like gave it all away and be on the pill. Like, I feel like I held nothing back and like, did I do too much? Did I give too much? And I was like freaking out. I'm like, what if I never have anything in me again to write another book? And she is like, calm down. That's a sign of a really good book. <laughs> and honestly, in writing, is this normal? Like, I was really proud to be on the pill. Is this normal? I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so excited for this book. And um, it's even bigger. So Beyond the Pill was like 80,000 words. This is 126,000 words. So uh, that fear was unfounded. <laughs> I have lots to say about women's hormones, health, sex life, libido, all of it. <laughs> 
That's awesome. And 80,000 is a super solid book. I know this as a, as a fellow author, my initial manuscript was 180,000 and it's down. <laughs> they actually, believe it or not, it's pared down to 80,000. So don't, don't you stress out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when, when you guys get it, it's, it's not, it's 80,000 words. It's totally doable. So, so Dr. Brighton, let's get into a little bit of the backstory. I think I'd love to have you share a little bit on a personal note, how you got into this whole area of natural medicine and of course the women's health piece and, and all of that. Just tell me a little bit of the backstory. So my background is actually in nutrition science. So I'm a nutrition scientist. I also have a degree in chemistry. So I'm a big time nerd. Um, but I struggled a lot with gut health and it was when I was doing my research in my master's of nutrition, I was actually studying sarcopenic obesity, how to use branched chain amino acids to combat that something that's like a really hot topic. Now, 20 years ago, when I was studying it, people were like, mm, whatever, whatever, like, you know, like this is eating protein is going to help you live longer. Like, nah. So <laughs> I was studying that, but it really became apparent that no matter how much research I did, no, and no matter how many peer-reviewed studies you had, clinicians weren't going to accept that, bring it in. It was going to take like almost 20 years from the integrated if they ever did, if they ever got the time. And so I realized if I really wanted to change health and people's health, I needed to be on the ground doing that work as a clinician. And so I discovered naturopathic medicine, which I'd never heard of before. I was actually going, I first was going to go to school to be a dentist. Then I got bit by a dog on my right hand. So that couldn't work because that's my dominant hand. And then I was going to go to medical school. Um, but once I found naturopathic medicine, I was like, they actually integrate nutrition, which is my background. Uh, there was no functional medicine back then. There was nobody doing lifestyle medicine back then. And so that's the path I took. And the funny thing is, I was like, I'm going to study gut health um, because that was my struggle. That was my history. And then I remember having this epiphany of like sitting in class and realizing that so often women's medicine is done to them not with them. There's no partnership. It's very dogmatic. It's very much like I wear the white coat. You do what you're told, be a good girl. Don't, you know, don't question your doctor. And the choices were just like the options weren't there. They weren't being given options. And it was really in that moment, you know, as I'm studying endocrinology that I'm like, why am I not doing this? Like, I, I love chemistry. I love biochemical pathways. Like organic chemistry was one of my favorite courses. Anyone who has been through it usually is like, you're sick, you're sadistic. What is wrong with you? And I'm like, I love Ochem because I love these <laughs> complex pathways. I love nutrition and studying the science because I love the biochemistry of it, the complex biochemical pathways. So when it came to hormones, it just clicked for me. And that is something that I realized in that I lecture with clinicians all over the world. That's not true for everybody. Sometimes um, I have people in the audience, I can just see their eyes glaze over where they're like, why are you showing me this diagram? And I'm like, friend, by the end of this, you're going to understand <laughs> all of this and you're going to be an ally to your patients. But like, I understand like when you start seeing molecules, you like have PTSD from the undergrad days. Yeah, no, I, I I share many of those things. You probably didn't know this. I also have a degree in chemistry, and OCHEM was like one of my faves. I I used to build models yes. for fun and write down yes. pathways, and and also actually you didn't know this either. My family, most all of them are dentists. My dad's a dentist. My stepdad's oh, really? a dentist. My brother's <laughs> a dentist. Like tons of dentists in the family, and I'm I'm the black sheep. My, this is a this is the medical doctor guy that knows how to put arms back into place when they get dislocated and do all that other stuff. And you're the Useful. real doctor of the family, you know. <laughs> and yeah. they always they always make fun of me because I for 20 years didn't have 
a regular lifestyle like they did. You know, they work yeah. Monday to yeah. Friday or Monday to Thursday and they're like, see ya. Totally. <laughs> sorry, sorry totally. you got to work tonight. But uh, the cool thing is in all of that, especially now there are functional dentists, you know, integrative dentists that, I mean, just gut health starts in the week. mouth. I mean, gut health it starts does. in the mouth and most people dismiss that. And now we actually have some science to back that. So how cool that you share that. Talk about, I know as a kid, you struggled with, uh, I believe GERD or reflux or peptic yeah. ulcer disease, whatever it was. And they were having you on all kinds of, you know, the usual, right? Acid suppressing medications. And you decided that, Hey, that wasn't going to be the answer and good for you. And then how, how about the women's health piece? Where did that kind of roll into the sort of specialty mix? Yeah. So when I was a kid, I had reflux and gastritis. So I actually had an endoscopy and they were like, we don't understand you're seven, seven-year-olds don't get gastritis. Oh this doesn't make any sense. Um, and so, you know, it was a lot of like proton pump inhibitors. These were not studied in kids. Like, I don't even want to read the studies that come out being like, that was a bad idea. Like you should not have done that to a child. Um, and yet I couldn't sleep because I'd have so much acid and I missed school because of stomach aches. It was like, I missed school because of stomach aches. Then I got my period and I missed school because of, um, you know, my period. It's like, when, when did I go to school is what it feels like. Um, so with that, what turns out I had was H. pylori before H. pylori was actually discovered and made its way into clinical practice. And so when I was 17, a doctor that I saw again after, I mean, I went to so many doctors and at this point. My mom wasn't even going with me to the doctor anymore. I was like, I'm just <laughs> not going to stop until I get help because this is not normal. This is not right. Even though I was being told like, this is just probably how it is for you. And this doctor was like, you know, there's this new organism that we've like learned about. It's called H. pylori. It leads to ulcers. And I'm like, okay, great. Like, can I get diagnosed for this? And at that time, another endoscopy. So an endoscopy, they took tissue samples and lo and behold, I had H. pylori. I was treated for it, discovered an amoxicillin allergy, not the fun <laughs> way. Um, had to go to the ER because I was covered uh, in hives and had, losing the ability to pull in oxygen because my throat was swelling. So um, that was not a fun experience. But when it was all said and done, they were like, hey, you're going to have to stay on these proton and pump inhibitors for life. Like, this is what we know right now. And I was like, well, what do you think about diet? And my doctor, as doctors <laughs> still do, was like, that doesn't have anything to do with it. It's not going to matter. And I'm like, see, but like when I eat pasta and I drink orange juice, which is kind of gross. When I look back, I'm like, who's drinking <laughs> orange juice and eating pasta? I was. I get really bad heartburn. When I eat a lot of refined carbohydrates, I get really bad heartburn. They're like, well, no, grains are good for you. I'm like, yeah, but I feel awful. Like what's going on? So that's when I just started experiment with my own diet. I'm 17 at the time, just like figuring out like what things work for me, what things don't work for me. I'm so lucky that like as a kid, I always loved vegetables. So it was gravitating to like, okay, I need more vegetables. I don't need any fast food. <laughs> like that is my, that's like such a blessing that my teenage self was like, I can't do fast food. Um, and I really had to make those dietary shifts. Um, at 18, I became a registered dental assistant. So I had my first medical license at 18 years old, was working in a dental office, um, but I was still struggling. I was really still struggling with gut health and they couldn't figure out, they never retested me for H. pylori. It wasn't, it wasn't as easy to do. You know, now we can do breath tests. We can do blood tests. Like it wasn't easy to do. They're like, we have to really put you under again and put a tube down your throat. And, and fun fact um, there's like, I have like a red hint in my hair. You can't tell by looking at me, but, um, I go through anesthetic, like nobody's business. So you can't keep me under, um, 
wake up during endoscopies, uh, woke up during my wisdom tooth extraction, woke up uh, during a my tonsillectomy, which I, they ended up cauterizing the entire roof of my mouth because I decided to talk during that part of the procedure. Um, yeah. Woke up in the ICU. They're like, we can't give her any more morphine. Like she just keeps waking up. And, and like, at this point in my life, I'm like, unless you like really have to numb me, like don't even bother because it honestly hurts more to get the anesthetic sometimes and like go through all of that than it does to just be like, I had to have a mole biopsy and I was like, let's just try to do it like, because yeah. it's just like, I never stay numb. And thank you. I've never had to have a dental procedure. Um, yeah. So anyhow, that was a whole lot. Um, wow. and the women's health piece was really just like the epiphany of sitting in med school thinking like, why is women's medicine done this way? And my instructors were a lot different. Like the, when we were taught pap smears, we were taught to ask for consent and we had a whole uh, conversation around, like, we have to lead the consent conversation. So mind you, this is like 15 years ago of saying like, we need to ask our patients, is it okay if I touch you? Is it okay if I insert the speculum? No one ever done that with me during a pap smear, but our, my provider saying like, we have to lead this conversation. So women know that they have a right to refuse that they have a right to their bodies and things like that, that I'm like, why is this not how women's medicine is done? I mean, there are still states where if you go under, so you're getting a tonsillectomy as an adult, like I did, you go under and a bunch of residents are going to practice a pap smear on you. There's zero consent for that. Like you don't even know, you wake up and you're like, something's different and nobody even tells you what happened. So um, that's a big reason why I got into women's health is I was like, I can do a better job and women deserve that. Yeah, no, totally. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> the whole the whole uh, story about the anesthesia. I mean, I guess your liver is amazing. You know how to metabolize everything like uh, nobody's business. <laughs> in in a bad way, though, sometimes people are always like, oh, that's so cool. Because like in my 20s, I could drink like anyone under the table. Like, and um, I don't recommend this people, especially with what we yeah. know about alcohol. But like I was 20 something. And what do I know about life? Um, And with that, though, people are always like, oh, that's so great. Except what they don't realize is that... Um, uh, if phase two gets like really hot and heavy on like, let's, or excuse me, phase one gets really pushing, cranking things out, you have more harmful metabolites. So those metabolites can be causing, you know, damage to your brain, to other tissues. Um, and so, yeah, I have to like really tend to that phase two as we all should <laughs> yeah. to just make sure. And like, it's a double-edged sword where it's like kind of cool. They're like, yeah, I can metabolize things so quick. Like I can drink coffee <laughs> at 10 o'clock at night, like other cultures do and go right to bed and have no problem. Um, whereas compared to my husband, he's like, he drinks coffee at like noon and he's like up all night. I'm like, we are just like polar opposite in that way. Um, and he's always like I want to be like you I'm like yeah until you make like bad metabolites and then like you're like oh what I feel so bad why do I feel like you know my brain is hung over and I didn't even drink <laughs> yeah you're great with the first pass and then after that you know <laughs> you still got to deal with all the downstream stuff so yeah that's totally totally yeah, I'm with you just because you could drink like a fish doesn't mean you should because we all know alcohol is a poison it's literally a yeah. toxin it's, it's a toxic alcohol toxin. I mean that's that's it's still thankfully the teaching but for some reason it's such a normalized thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's still, I love what Daniel Amen always says is that it's no matter what you are shrinking your brain. It doesn't matter how much you no. drink. It doesn't matter. It's when he still shows those brain scans. Oh my gosh. I'm always like, Ugh. and I think about him 
I think about him when I'm at parties and people are like, oh, let's toast. And I'm like, I don't know. I've seen the brain scans, friends. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. So let's get into a little bit about the uh, women's uh, hormones and the cycle. Because I want to talk about the, the post sort of pill you know, syndrome when you've been on the pill for years, many, many women are. And we're not judging because there's a lot of reasons to be on the birth control pill. We're, we're just sort of affectionately calling it the pill, right? Everybody kind of yeah. calls it the pill. But I've always called it an oral contraceptive pill, OCP, what have you. But it's a birth control pill. And that's been prescribed for numerous reasons, whether it be for pain, for quote unquote, regulating your cycle, which is mm. kind of a misnomer in and of itself, as <laughs> Dr. Jolie knows. But let's just talk a little bit about the the pill, the post-pill syndrome and why, you know, just let's just get a little bit basic and talk about the women's cycle real quick, just for a second to set the tone for the rest of this discussion. Well, we will later get into menopause, perimenopause, all, all these interesting things as well. But maybe let's just start with the basics about the women's cycle. Sure. So if you're listening to this and you're, you're about, you know, I'm going to share all this stuff and you're like, I didn't even know all of that. Understand that I had to go to medical school to actually understand how my body worked. And I had taken physiology classes. Like I had taken all these classes and I just was like, the way it was presented to me, these were all men teaching it. They were like, it's so complicated. It's not worth trying to understand it. Like the nuance and how this works. And it was never very taught very well. Um, I've set out a mission to make sure that every woman understands her cycle and how her hormones work. So the way that we teach about the cycle is we start from the period, but it's important to understand that the cycle actually starts with ovulation. So ovulation is the key event, and it is after ovulation that you have a period. So why do we teach it opposite? Because a period is really obvious. It's really obvious to know when you're on your period and because as doctors, the first thing we're going to ask you is when was your last menstrual period? And we want to know that. So period is what we call day one. It's the first day you have flow. So if you have a little bit of spotting and that's lasting like several days, you could have a low progesterone issue. If you spot just like the day before, no big deal, but that's not really the start of your period. So what's happening day one? Our hormones are dropping. Estrogen and progesterone, mainly progesterone is going to drop and it's going to cause the endometrial lining to shed. Now, while your uterus is doing one thing, it's shedding, it's you're having your period, your ovaries have a completely different agenda because the all they care about is like get to ovulation and ovulate an egg. So your hormones don't stay low for long. By day two, Okay, second day of your period, we already see a significant rise in estrogen happening. And that's because FSH, the brain hormone, is telling the ovaries, get a follicle ready. So follicles are what hold the eggs and the name of the game is like get to ovulation. So estrogen is going to rise and we're going to see that even following your period, estrogen goes higher, testosterone's falling, following. This is why we're getting in the mood because there's no progesterone around. These two hormones are affecting our brain so that we're fantasizing more. We are more sexually, uh, we're more inclined to have sex, but we also have more arousal taking place. It's no mistake because you're about to ovulate. So the body's like, we have an agenda here. So what, right before we ovulate, what we're going to see is estrogen rises. That spike in estrogen tells the brain let's we we're ready. Okay. Egg is ready. The brain says let's release luteinizing hormone, luteinizing hormone. It goes down to the ovaries. And if anyone knows clash of the Titans and it's like, release the Kraken, that's what it's like. <laughs> the LH is like release the egg. And at that point, you know, about 24 to 48 hours of that LH spike, we're going to see an egg is released and it lasts 24 hours. That's it. So you're only going to get pregnant. Um, 
in that 24-hour period, uh, people are always confused by this because, um, and I break all of this down, by the way, and is this normal? And I even do the math for you. Sperm can live five days. Your egg can live one. Five plus one is six. Six-day fertile window. But you, my friend, if you want to become pregnant, can only, you only have one day to make that happen. So what happens to that egg? If it's not fertilized, it degrades. It's gone. But what's left behind in the ovaries is a temporary endocrine structure known as the corpus luteum. And the corpus luteum is what produces progesterone. The only way to progesterone is via that corpus luteum. You must ovulate. So we have progesterone becoming the lead hormone now in the luteal phase. We still have estrogen around. And if there's not enough progesterone, that's when we have those PMS symptoms. We don't feel great. Um, it's not that necessarily that like, oh, estrogen's the devil. <laughs> like she makes you feel so bad. It is that there's an imbalance there. And so progesterone will carry you through. The LH that was there before, that's pulsing and telling the uh, ovary, let's keep the corpus luteum specifically, let's keep producing progesterone. If there is no implantation because there's no fertilized egg or the egg, there was something wrong with conception and genetically it could not implant, we don't get HCG. So no HCG means that that LH is only going to last so long. Now the hormones drop and we're right back to our period. So there's a whole lot going on for you to get to a period and for you to have a menstrual cycle. When you're on the pill, none of that happens. The birth control pill is a large enough dose of hormones coming in that it shuts down brain ovarian communication. No FSH, no LH, no corpus luteum because that's how it works so you don't get pregnant. The primary mechanism is you do not ovulate. So there's absolutely no progesterone being made or being taken. It's progestin only that comes in through these pills. And that... That has some of the of um, some benefits, like it helps with thickening the cervical mucus to prevent sperm from passing, but it doesn't have the same benefits of progesterone, like nourishing the brain. So that's important to know. So that's the big difference there, and why I'm always like we have to be specific about that. Pill bleeds are not periods. Like when you withdraw from that medication, it's not a period because it's not a cycle because you never had ovulation. And the big reason why that matters is, is because all day, every day, doctors tell women, you must have a period, periods matter. But when women get on the pill, we then tell them, you don't need a period, periods don't matter. And they're like, what? Which is it? You don't need a pill bleed. You're not building endometrium in the same way. It's not necessary. But if you're off the pill, it's absolutely necessary because of the estrogen stimulation happening to the uterine lining. And because it's a sign that something is wrong in the body if you are under 45 and you're not menstruating. Yeah. So that, that was a lot to digest, I know, but it's a actually lot. Go back fa and listen. fairly, <laughs> yeah, fa fairly simple. And it's all going to be in the book for you all. And she was kind of referring to the difference between a progestin only pill versus the classic uh, OCP oral contraceptive, which has estrogen and progesterone. So there is a little bit of a difference there. Oh, it actually there. only has progestin. So the combined oral contraceptive pill only has progestin because you can't patent progesterone. So that's uh, yes, the big reason. Yes, that's got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. And progesterone is what we got in our body. Progestin is what they make in the lab and you get in the form of a pill. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't clarify that. Absolutely. But uh, yeah. So in that whole process, I think the thing that is interesting and really important to remember is that you're shutting down the communication between the brain and the ovaries, essentially. It's not existing in the usual feedback mechanism that happens when you're not on any of these 
uh, pills. And so tell us a little bit about what, what are some of the downstream negative effects of not having that communication there? Mm-hmm. Well, the big problem is how we use the birth control pill these days. So it was first developed so that you could delay or space pregnancies. Um, the intention was that you would always get pregnant at some point. Um, the manufacturers of this were not like, hey, if you want to live a childless life, they were like, this is short-term <laughs> use. We want to space yeah. pregnancies. Um, so just important to keep in mind, that was the intention in developing this. And so with that, the way we use it now is for symptom management. And so, so often women are going into their doctor and it's basically the algorithm goes, you have period problems. Do you want a baby? If you say yes, they're going to figure out what's going on. If you say no, they're going to say, okay, let's put you on the pill. You've got acne. Do you want a baby? Yes or no. You've got, you know, hair loss. Like you've got any kind of hormonal issue. Do you want a baby? Yes or no. Which is, I think a big disservice to just, you know, say like, well, you're the, whether or not you want a baby is going to affect how seriously I take this. And if you don't want a baby, I'm just going to put you on birth control. And the problem with that is that it masks a lot of things. So PCOS, for example, roughly 10% of the population that we're actually catching screening have polycystic ovarian syndrome. They present with acne, irregular periods, maybe hair growth on their chin, chest, abdomen, hair loss on their head. And for them, they're often past the pill, told this is going to fix your period. So quote, fix your period, but never a conversation is had about like, you have a complex metabolic endocrine disorder that can lead to heart disease and diabetes. And by the way, it can make it more difficult to become pregnant. So then when you're like 35, you decide you do want to have a baby, you come off. And for the first time in your life, you're faced with the fact that like, One, you have a condition that has been left unmanaged for years. And so your ovaries have been bombarded with insulin. And it's really problematic because in some people, the pill can cause mild insulin resistance, mild inflammation. And with PCOS, you already have issues of inflammation and insulin resistance. So that's one of the big problems that we see. I think the other big problem is that women are not told about you know, everything outside of strokes, right? And maybe they're not even told about blood (laughs) clots and strokes, right? Um, You worked in the ER. I have had a lot of people write me stories about how they went to the ER. No one even asked if they were on the pill when it came to their headache or their shortness of breath. And especially recently with COVID going on, everybody was assumed to have COVID. And there were women who were like, no, I had a pulmonary embolism. Like I had a clot in my lungs because of birth control. My doctor didn't even tell me this was possible. And, you know, the doctors are like, well, it's such a low risk. Like, why would we talk about it? You have to talk about it. You have to talk about it. But I feel like those are the things that do get talked about. The issues like the inflammation, the nutrient depletions that can happen, like zinc, magnesium, B vitamins, like folate and B12, antioxidants like vitamin C, vitamin E, CoQ10. These aren't talked about. Doctors aren't going to counsel you about your diet or maybe being on a multivitamin or prenatal or the impacts on your gut microbiome. And let's face it, I mean, back when I was studying nutrition, the gut microbiome was just taught to us as a bunch of freeloaders that really only made a little bit of B12, um, vitamin K, but other than that, they were worthless. Um, (laughs) That still kind of continues in doctors' minds. And so they're like, ah, the impact can't be that bad. We haven't seen enough studies on it. And yet, 
you know, in Beyond the Pill, there's a whole chapter on gut health where I show the research, like back in the 1970s, the impacts on Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis. So um, seeing, you know, when we see inflammatory bowel disease, um, Crohn's disease specifically, there's more incidences of having surgery if you're on the pill. There's a higher risk if you have the genetics that you're going to go on to develop that if you take oral contraceptive pills. And we know from the research, you know, some research has compared it to an antibiotic. Like that is what it can do to the microbiome because while we're swallowing it, taking it, we're not absorbing all of it in our small intestine. It's actually making its way into the large intestine. And by the way, no one has ever studied what happens when we metabolize it. How does that affect the microbiome? Like they're just, there's so many question marks with it, right? Of like, we use it ubiquitously. (laughs) It's been around for generations. And yet there's so many unanswered questions that so many people don't want us asking. They just don't even want us asking these questions because they're like, you're going to scare women or like, you know, just be grateful you have it. And I'm like, I'm tired of the conversation of like, just be grateful that you have access to things. I want to have access to it. And I want the full story. Yeah. Now having the the full sort of backstory on what it is that these can actually do. And I'm right there with you. I mean, typically the one thing that is mentioned, and it's usually just the question gets asked, do you smoke? And if you smoke, then it's like, okay, you can't be on birth control because that's going to really increase your risk of blood clots, which it will. But even Mm -hmm. in those that don't smoke, which is at least half of us or more, hopefully, we are also going to get increased (laughs) risk of getting blood clots, whether it be a pulmonary embolus or a stroke. I mean, one of the reasons I left full-time ER medicine was because I felt like we could do so much more. I was seeing 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds, and I'm turning 50 next year, as many of you know, and I was literally seeing men and women alike having first-time heart attacks, first-time strokes in their 30s and 40s and thinking, what in the world? I never saw this 25 years ago when I did my training. It was always 60, 70, and 80-year-olds that were having heart attacks and strokes. And now it's these young folks that I I consider quite young because they're younger than I. (laughs) Like, what the heck? And you're right. People don't know the true risks, the true effects. I mean, all the downstream consequences. You mentioned a lot of them, the nutrient absorption issues, as well as gut health Um, ramifications, which decreasing uh, the diversity that exists in the gut, which is not a good thing. And all of the other myriad of issues that exist because the lack of communication that should be happening between the brain and the ovaries, et cetera, et cetera. And so let's just use that as a segue. You were, you were talking kind of about this whole concept. Now let's say somebody who's been on oral contraceptives or the pill, birth control pill, wants to become pregnant. I know Mm -hmm. typically, you know, there's a window where you should really try to prep yourself, whether it be three months, six months, a year. There's a lot of things that women could do to kind of increase their odds. And and they were mostly never told this ahead of time. Like, oh, just take the pill because it's just the thing. It's easy. It's available. And nobody ever (laughs) told them at the outset, well, if you do want to get pregnant, here's a process. And maybe we can speak to that with your expertise and the post-pill syndrome and all that stuff, kind of wrap that in. Yeah, this is such a great question and a great conversation because what are women told? They're put on the pill as a teenager, maybe early 20s, and they're told, hey, as soon as you come off, you'll get pregnant. Maybe, it depends on what's going on. Like if your painful periods are actually endometriosis, then that may not be true. If your acne is PCOS, that may not be true. If your regular periods is actually hypothyroidism that's not being diagnosed and treated, not going to be true. And so um, the thing that I think clinicians fail recognize in having that conversation is that someone 
may be on the pill for a couple of decades. They may be going on the pill and they're not coming up. They're like, my doctor said I can get pregnant right away and I'm 34. So I'll just come off and I'll get pregnant right away. And so what's tricky about that is that one, we have underlying conditions that we know lead to infertility that could have been masked by the pill. Two, as we get older, we deplete glutathione or excuse me, we uh, CoQ10 is the one I meant to say there. We deplete this nutrient. We're starting to um, not manufacture as much CoQ10. CoQ10 is a really important antioxidant. It protects your egg health. Um, We know mitochondria are really important for the ovaries. They're also declining. They depend on all these nutrients that birth control has been depleting. And so when you come off of birth control, we're at an advanced age. And like, I hate that. So everybody, like I just had my (laughs) last baby at 40 and I freaking hated this like, oh, you're geriatric. And I'm just like- Oh, you don't like teeth? Is that what you're saying? Like, say that to me again. Um, so see, that's the Latina in me. You're like, I, my wife got that on the last two, Dr. Jolene. My wife got that. Yeah. She was advanced maternal age geriatric yeah. pregnancy at 40. Like, what in the freaking yeah. world? Like, she's the <laughs> picture know. of health and she's called a geriatric. Like, those are fighting I words. I, I'm with you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> oh, everybody oh. like hates that. But I mean, this is the reality. And so it makes it confusing because women come off the pill and they're like, my doctor said I could get pregnant right away. And there's so much more to it. And it's really easy to jump on like, well, birth control must have caused my infertility when it's like, actually, it's much more complicated yeah. than that. Um, because like, there's also been the lifetime of environmental toxin exposure, or, like how you've lived your life, like all of these things impact your egg quality. And we also understand that if you had these conditions, it wasn't that birth control caused your PCOS, caused your endometriosis, caused you to be infertile. It's that it masked those. It hid them. So you didn't get the diagnosis. You didn't get the treatment you needed. And so in terms of a protocol for that, in Beyond the Pill, I actually outlined a protocol. It is definitely best if we can start a year in advance, but like not everybody makes their plans that way. And sometimes you get the baby bug and you're like, but I need a baby now. And so giving yourself at least three months is really key to help with the eggs. Whatever you're doing for your body, your partner should also be doing. So if you have a male partner, um, I mean, like for how long was medicine like women, you can't get pregnant, go get IVF. And it's like, yeah, except that like this, the male factor contributes to the health of the baby, to the rate of miscarriage, to your actual ability to become pregnant. And so all of that matters. And that's why I'm like, that's like the thing that makes it like really easy is you both need to eat a nutrient dense diet. Lots and lots of plants, high quality proteins. If you can do the organ meats, like even better, because like beef heart, best source of CoQ10. Yeah. If anybody just was like, Ugh, I feel you, yeah. you can get your butcher to take like 25% beef heart, grind it up with like 75% of grass fed beef. You have the most delicious burger ever. And you're delivering so many nutrients with that. And you won't even know. You won't even know, friends. So, eating in that way, stopping drinking alcohol. Uh, you know, if you are like smoking anything, okay. Yeah. Anything of any kind for people to understand whether it's vape or whether it's smoking, like we are increasing free radicals, free radicals, hate sperm. They hate eggs. Like They just hate them. They go rip them apart. They piss off your mitochondria. Like you're not going to be a fertile person. Um, and then looking at like other lifestyle factors, like things that people know they should be doing, right? Sleeping, exercising, sunshine, community, all of these things matter greatly. And, you know, it's something that I see a lot of people jumping to supplements. Like I have a supplement company and I could talk to you about supplements, but if you're not doing this foundational stuff, like, Supplements can't take you as far as your diet and lifestyle can take you. 
Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. And 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 it's in the name. Supplements are meant to be supplemental. And exactly. I take supplements as well, but that's not my food. It doesn't replace food is my my hierarchy. That's the top of the list. Supplements are down below. And a couple of things I, I just want to echo and reiterate that you shared is it's just as important for the men to do all these things because the fertility rates in dudes are dropping like crazy yes. as in women in the last hundred years, over 50% our fertility rate has dropped and nobody's talking about it. We're not doing yeah. anything about it. Sperm counts are down. The motility is down all the things like it's, it's crazy to even think that that magnitude of this decrease, literally 50% drop in fertility rate. And, and it's rarely even talked about in men and yeah. women, like what the well, heck? And men these <laughs> days, they have 50% of the sperm that their grandfathers yeah. had. Like that yeah. is just mind blowing. And that as a species, we can be classified as endangered. And I don't think people really grasp that. And that's not coming from me. That's not my opinion. Yeah. It is the researchers who are leading this, who are primarily studying endocrine disruptors, right? We haven't even touched that subject yet. Um, <laughs> and I touch it. I touch on it in every book I have with the new book. I'm like, let me break it down. Like, if you don't care about fertility, let me tell you how it's affecting your sex life and your hormones and all of these other aspects of your life that you should definitely care about. But it is just really sobering. Like when I was reading that, that I'm like, wait a minute, we could be classified as an endangered species because by 2023 or, or here in 2023, excuse me, we are seeing such a decline in fertility yeah. that, and the rate at which it's declining is so drastic. It is not like we're gradually like, we are dropping off a cliff right now. We are in a free fall. Um, and if that makes you freak out, friend, I freak out too, because like we have got to do something. And with the information that like, even you and I are just talking about right now, like an individual can start to turn that around. Yeah. And, and we should care whether or not we're planning to have kids. I mean, I've, my wife and I have six. We're not planning to have any more kids, but you better believe it. I care about what my sperm counts are and my testosterone and all those things. Like yeah. that's really important. My virility. I mean, it's it's super important to me. It's important to most people. I think whether or not you want to have kids, it's you should be you should care about your overall hormonal health. And that's kind of what we're getting at here with Dr. Jolene is the true importance of hormonal health. And that much of it is. I think overlooked because we never get down to the root, right? The root mm -hmm. cause of why do we have so much hormonal issues? Well, it's all the things that she just mentioned, right? It may be a lot of our exposures. It may be our crappy standard American diet, like all of these things. And maybe we're not sleeping well enough. We're not getting outside and going for a walk. We're not seeing the sun. All these things play into it. And, you know, we talked a lot about the pill and the cycle. I, I want to talk at least for a quick couple minutes about sort of the, the perimenopause, the menopause and that kind of time frame because I think a lot of women have a lot of questions. And I think at least in my, you know, 20 plus years experience, a lot of those things are changing and not for a good thing. You know, people, um, yeah. we, we're seeing, you know, the data shows women are starting to get into those perimenopausal years earlier. I don't think mm -hmm. that's a good thing. We'll see what you think. And things can be lasting longer. They can, you know, symptoms that, that they experience, which are not awesome, right? All the hot flashes, the difficulty yeah. sleeping, all these kinds of things. There's a, there's a, there's a way to optimize all of this. So maybe, um, take, take it wherever you want. Let's talk a little bit about the perimenopause, menopause, yeah. and sort of how to best optimize these amazing years. Totally. Well, let's first define them because it's yeah. very confusing the way everyone talks. They're like, I'm having menopausal symptoms. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we're actually having perimenopausal yeah. symptoms. So let's get into it. Okay. 
So perimenopause can start roughly seven to 10 years before menopause onset. So menopause is accepted to be normal at age 45. That means at age 35, you may begin experiencing insomnia, hot flashes, night sweats, uh, experiencing the brain fog, experiencing like like loss of memory. Like, where did I put my keys? That might be happening to you on a daily basis. And Medicine does this rhetoric where they're like, that's normal. You're getting old. Welcome to Uh, perimenopause, except none of that's normal. And what I don't hear anyone talking about is that all of those are signs that your brain is struggling, that your brain isn't getting the hormone stimulation it needs to thrive because you need those hormones for brain health. And I hate to be the one to break it to if this is the first time you're hearing this, but women are the largest population with dementia. So all of these signs and symptoms that have been chalked up as like, um, that's just the way it is. They're actually signs of brain dysfunction and we should be intervening earlier. So we can see perimenopause 35 to 45. It may start when you're 40, you may go into menopause at, you know, 50. What is menopause? Menopause is the cessation of ovulation therefore menstruation for 12 consecutive months. Um, so if you're someone that's like, I've not had a period in nine months and then I have a period, sorry, we reset the clock again. It's got to <laughs> be 12 consecutive months. And at that point, you're in menopause. If that happens before 45, that's considered primary ovarian insufficiency or something else that is not menopause. And if your doctor's like, oh, you're 41, you're in menopause. No, you are not. No, something else is going on. And the younger you are, that you lose your cycle, the more detrimental it is in terms of morbidity and mortality outcomes. So this is all really important to understand. I don't think enough people are talking about this. Enough people are taking this seriously. I think that a lot of the conversations around perimenopause and menopause is like, it's a natural process. Therefore, just let it be natural. And it is a natural process. We do have to ask the question, why are we still going into menopause at the same age, yet we're living longer? And there are researchers who are now like, we can delay menopause. Like, we think we can get there and delay menopause. Spoiler, so much of it is going to be this diet and lifestyle that we've been talking about and really taking care and tending to your mitochondria. Because um, a lot of people hear about how mitochondria, they're the powerhouse of uh, your cells. They make energy. That's what we we're all taught in biology. There's so much more than that. They're concentrated in the brain, but the other place they're concentrated is in your ovaries. And so if you want to have good hormonal health, you have to be tending to all of the things we already talked about, right? And I go through this in, is this normal? So in a way that isn't overwhelming and feels achievable for the average person, because it certainly can all feel very overwhelming overwhelming when we start talking about like diet and lifestyle and you're coming from a place where it's like, well, I don't know the first thing about nutrition and I don't exercise. And there, you know, the thing that I think people really should hook into and understand is that it's not being like the influencer you see on social media. I always laugh. Like there's a quote, I can't remember where it came from, but um, of, of this woman saying like, you know, these 20 year old influencers are like showing off their perfect body. And we're all laughing because we're like, yeah, we all, we could like, we could not sleep. We could binge on like, you know, the worst food possible, like you name it. And we would look like that. Because we were younger and our cells were younger and our body had a resiliency that doesn't have now. I'm always like, and and the quote is like, show me a 50-year-old. Uh, show me a 50-plus-year-old who's doing that and that I will applaud because the reality is, is that 
so many people take this all or nothing perspective. And really it's those little tiny steps you take every day that keep you out of the doctor's office. Yeah, no, it's definitely those tweaks and and it's over time, right? All of this is over time. Like that's why, mm-hmm. like you said, the teenager has this resilience. They don't have the same toxic load and burden that you and I have in our 40s and 50s. Like this is just not the same. We have so many other, you know, additional exposures, yeah. you know, whether it be from our food it <laughs> or we're just, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Or those Friday and Saturday night happenings, like whatever it is, <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah, no. And that I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, it's so interesting that, that at the end of the day, hormonal health actually can be pretty darn simple. And I think you're quite oh, expert yeah. at sharing that, um, both, you know, in your previous book and this one, it really just dialing in, like, it doesn't have to be overcomplicated though. Many people make it out to be. It doesn't have to be. And certainly the the biggest levers I think that we have access to as humans are not complicated, right? That's the stuff that you've shared many times over. The diet, what we actually yeah. eat. Is, is our food the best possible medicine or is it a poison? Like we get to pick that every day. Are we moving our body or not? Are we getting a good night's sleep or not? Are we yeah. opt- optimizing our stressful life. We, we all have a very stressful life in the last few years is <laughs> really brought that to light for many people. We've, we've had a stressful life for a long time. Are we paying yeah. attention to our gut health, which you're also expert in? And so I hope that, uh, that all the listeners, viewers will get that message that actually it doesn't have to be complicated. And you're a, a perfect example of how we can see these things clearly in such a simple way throughout your work and what you've been doing for the last couple of decades. I, I thank you and I honor you and I think you, you're doing a great job. Keep crushing it. And uh, tell us any parting thoughts that you'd like to share. And then, of course, how can people reach out to you and, and grab that new book? Is this normal? Yeah, I think so number one is the book is called, is this normal? Right. And it's going to give you all of the answers to the questions that I'm most commonly asked. And the book is broken down into the three parts. It has your sexual self as the beginning, your cyclical self, and then it marries it all together in the third section, which is a 28 day plan to help you really understand you and build your user manual to you. And I think when you get into it, my hope is for you to understand that you are the only one who's going to be able to understand what's normal for you outside the things that are definitely pathological that I'm like, this this is time to go see a doctor. And that's what I really encourage everyone to do is ask themselves what is true for me and recognize that you're not going to be exactly the same as your partner, your neighbor, your friend. You're not going to be the same as everyone else. You're going to have those variances. And in recognizing that, I also want you to recognize that you are an expert in your body. So when things come up and maybe your doctor says, well, that's normal, you know it's not normal for you. That's outside of your normal. And I would always encourage you to advocate for yourself about that. So you can find Is This Normal anywhere books are sold. You can also find me on drbrighton.com on Instagram at Dr. Jolene Brighton, same for TikTok and YouTube. And it's at Dr. Jolene Brighton. And Brighton is B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N for those who are curious. And I would love for you to come and join my community and ask any of the questions that you might have, especially after reading the book. Yeah. Amazing. No, thank you for that message. I think that's so important because we're all different, right? There is no quote unquote one 
normal. I mean, even when we get those dang lab tests and it's like a normal range, well, the, the really disappointing thing is that normal is actually not normal anymore because yeah. 88 plus percent of us, probably 93% of us now post COVID are not metabolically healthy. How do we even call that a normal range? Like you don't exactly. want to be normal. Trust me. You don't want to be normal, but this is a great example of how we are the best judge of how we are doing. Like you just said, you are the expert on your body and don't let anybody tell you different. You may have to swap out your doctor. I mean, I'm just saying, and yeah. I, it's totally fine. If you do, you got to have somebody that will at least give you that credence that you are expert in your body and you should be involved in the decision-making, which is what we've talked about from the very beginning that many years we've kind of ignored this, I think in mes medicine, especially Western medicine, I'll be, you know, able to speak on that. Cause I've seen it. I've sadly done it maybe a time or two, not a lot, but especially not in the last decade, but we don't give full disclosure and I think we should. And people like you got to be your own best advocate. So you are your own expert. Uh, you've got this. It can be simple. Dr. Jolene is here right here with you. All of the, the links and such will be in the show notes. And I just want to thank you again for, for doing what you're doing, for, for getting this word out there that's so critical. And dudes out there, you should be buying this book also for your significant other, for family member, friend, whomever. You should read it so you understand better what's happening because it will, it'll pay dividends. I promise when you, I, I, you know, I've been married 25 years and my mantra is one that was given to me is happy wife, happy life. And it's yeah. never let me down. So trying to understand my wife better with books like these has been critical. So thank you, Dr. Jolene. What a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a wonderful conversation. I appreciate your time. Yeah. Big aloha all. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as I did with Dr. Jolene Brighton, a naturopathic physician who is just so knowledgeable, so skilled, and just fun to talk to. She's had so much experience with her life, her clients, her work, her studies, all of the things. She is bright, she is educated, and she is just a great chat. We had so much good conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll share it out to all those who may benefit, both women and men alike. I know I really enjoyed it. It helps me so much to better understand women and women's physiology, women's hormones, all of the things. She is such a bright light and doing such great work. I hope you will follow her at drbrighton.com. That's D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. All the links will be there in the show notes. Please share this out. Please drop a review because I read every single one, I promise you. And yours may be the one I pick for a free copy of my upcoming book, Preventable, Five Powerful Practices to Avoid Disease and Build Unshakable Health coming out real, real soon. In fact, you can pre-order it now on my website, thomashemingway.com or thepreventablebook.com. Please be sure you're following me on social media, drthomashemingway.com and uh, all the places, Dr. Thomas Hemingway. In fact, I have an upcoming live Q&A coming out next week. And if you want to be a part of that live question and answer, Zoom call usually lasts about an hour or so. Jump on over there, thomashemingway.com for the link to our community, Thrive Community with Dr. Thomas. I would love to have you there. And until next time, a big aloha.